Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the 2018 CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup with some surprise results on the opening weekend. And we catch up with Nigeria striker Odion Igalo, who moved from Watford in the English Premier League to China a year ago. Igalo has opened up an orphanage in Lagos. My lifestyle, my own way of life is see people around me happy. I would like to be flying private jet and my fellow human being is crying. Also, Stuart reviews the latest round of English Premier League games as there was a notable achievement for the Ghanaian brothers Jordan and Andre Ayew. Yes, the Ayews were already one of five sets of brothers to play in the Premier League. And on Saturday, when Andre came on as a substitute to join brother Jordan, they became the fourth set of brothers to be teammates. Well, that's coming up later. But first, the 2018 CAF Champions League started with a bang last weekend with goals galore in the preliminary round first leg games. Defar El Jadida of Morocco beat Benfica of Guinea-Bissau 10-0 at home for the biggest single leg victory in history. Two-time champions Antoine Setif of Algeria won 6-0 against Central African Republic's Olympic Real Bangui. And there was a great result for LISCR of Liberia as they beat seasoned campaigners and giants Al-Hilal of Sudan 1-0 at home. Well, that may not be enough ahead of the second leg, but what a performance. And the team that we featured last week on the show, Zanaco of Zambia, won 3-0 at home to armed forces of the Gambia. So, Solomon, what stood out for you? Elites of Liberia, for me, beating Al-Hilal of Sudan 1-0 at home in Monrovia was definitely a a great result. First, because, you know, uh, just for the mood of the nation of Liberia, having just elected uh, former footballer, World Footballer of the Year, Josh Weir, I I feel it's, it's a great result for football fans and you know, for them to get their mind off the challenges in the country and, and to also consolidate on the hope that uh, politics and new government is, is bringing. And because Al-Hilal of Sudan is definitely not a, a team that you pushed away. This is a team that played in the finals for the Africa Champions League. This is a team that is always, you know, playing and competing in either the Champions League or the Confed Cup in the group stages. So the 1-0 home victory in the first leg is definitely a good result. It will be difficult for them, though, when they go to Katoon uh, in the second leg to to get a great result. But, hey, uh, the team from my hometown in just Nigeria, Plateau United, won 3-0 against a Cameroonian side in the Africa uh, Champions League qualifier. Uh, Steve, this was the first time uh, that uh, a team from Plateau, which is just, is competing in the Africa Champions League. And uh, for them to get a 3-0 victory against Edin Sport of Cameroon in just uh, Nigeria, uh, being a first time for them, definitely a good result. Just because, you know, we're used to Aimba, we're used to Rangers, we're used to 3SC playing in the Africa Champions League. But now we're seeing Plateau United. And uh, and the second leg, I'm sure, is really going to be exciting because a lot of teams are going to be defending and trying to get a good result that will get them through the next round. 
Yes, well, thanks, Solomon. And the second legs are on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. More on the Champions League and Confederation Cup later on. But next, here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we catch up with a player who we've spoken to several times before. That's Nigeria striker Odion Igalo, who moved from Watford in the English Premier League to China a year ago. Well, Igalo has told us before about his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ and how it shapes his life. Well, Igalo has opened an orphanage in his native Nigeria. He grew up in a very poor area of Lagos and is now helping others in the city. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji went along to the orphanage and met up with Igalo there to find out more. Tell me about this place now. We are standing right here where we have a playground, we have rooms for administrators, and then we also have rooms for accommodation and all of that. How many rooms are here, and um, what exactly are your own objectives in terms of this orphanage? Well, first we have the, the girls' side of it and the boys' side of it. So the girls' side of it can take 20 to 25 kids. The boys' side of it can take 20 to 25 kids. Then we have the administrative quarters. We have the staff's quarters where they are going to be sleeping because I want everybody that is walking in here to sleep here. As long as you want to work on this, in this orphanage, you have to be here, you have to be closer to the kids, take care of the kids, both in nurse because we have a sick bay there. We have um, a, a restaurant for the kids. We have playing ground for them. We have generator. We have everything in place. We have where they put the full stuff and all that, where they donate things. We have the security, we have CCTV room, we have everything because I've heard so much about orphanages, you know. So I want to personally put time to this. Though it will be difficult, but I know I have a strong team on ground that will make sure everything go on fine. And daily basis I will be calling to know what's going on because my name first is intact and... I don't want anything to jeopardize my name because I know what is happening in the in the country concerning fraud and all that concerning people like this. I'm building I built this with my own money to give back to the community. I'm not getting anything from this. I know some people launches orphanages before they they even built it. But I decided to build mine, put everything inside and all that before I launch it then. Whoever that can come to support is fine because before then I've been getting calls, messages, they want to support another. So I'm not going to get a dime from nobody till when I finish it, when I launch it, then it's officially open for everybody that want to support. The name carries Igalo of Anejom, but it's not for Igalo. It's for the world, it's for Africa, it's for Nigeria, it's for Lagos, it's for everybody that have the zeal to help the homeless. Everybody that have the zeal to help the less privileged, they can come in to support the kids. I'm calling on corporate bodies, companies and all that who can assist to make Nigeria a better place. You talk you talk you talk the talk. Now you walk in the walk. But it's it's kind of funny that cynics are wondering what would happen when you retire from football? What happens to this orphanage? I can do this now because I'm playing and I'm doing what I'm doing. I've touched a lot of lives. I don't want to start counting. Both Nigeria, abroad, everywhere. Those have helped. And God sees my heart. Even we were doing meeting the other day, Board of Trustee. Somebody raised that question that, how are you going to be running this 
after your football career because I said I've touched lives in this Nigeria and God put this in my heart to do it and it's going to provide for me to take care of the less privileged because this is not about my own kids this is about the less privileged the orphans and God knows what I'm doing he's backing it up and what I'm going to take care of these children even in 20 years time to come this 2018 by God's grace I'm going to get it we just had a plane flying over there. Footballers are known for flying on private jets, fast cars, moving with flashy lives and all of that. You're one of those few who just refuse to show off and show your riches and all of that. My lifestyle, my own way of life is see people around me happy. How will I be flying private jet and my fellow human being is crying? Finally, I want to start with you and your little boy Daniel wanted something. And you said, Daniel, everything in life you have to earn it. That's a good message you're passing on to your kids. Yeah, of course, you know, I, I, I was born and brought up in Nigeria. I worked hard to be where I am so today. Nobody gave me anything for free. Nobody gave me anything, anything as a platter of gold. You know, I worked hard for everything. So I want my kids to learn that. Their father is successful today, not because he sit down there, watch people giving him stuff. He worked hard for it and all that. So I always tell my first son, Daniel, because the other one is still growing. Even though I tell him, he won't understand. But my first son is seven years. It will be, it will be eight years in February. So I want him to be sinking inside his head that you have to work hard. To work hard to end everything in life. You understand? Don't sit down that my father is rich. My father has this. My, you're going to sit down. No way. Nothing's going to come for you easy. You have to work hard if you want to be successful. Because I want him to be even more successful than I am in football and everything. And even do more what I'm doing. So he has to be humble, he has to learn how to learn, he has to be disciplined and make sure he don't take anything for granted in life. We wish you all the very best, Igalo. Thank you very much. Well, that's Nigeria striker Odion Igalo speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji at the orphanage that he's opened up in Lagos in Nigeria. Well, Solomon, it's always great to see footballers remembering where they came from and helping others. This is very, very important. Different footballers uh, do it for different reasons. We see footballers in Brazil, in England, in the U.S. getting involved in social justice issues in really going back and motivating and showing uh, that, look, they can inspire younger people. They can inspire our community, a poor area. Because most footballers that are playing professional in Europe, a lot of them are started by playing football on the street. You know, so technically they come from a very poor background where, you know, not even a proper football pitch is available for them to train. Uh, and uh, Odion Igalo is definitely an inspiration. He comes from Ajegunle, like you say. Ajegunle is like a, a ghetto. It's like a shanty town, a rundown and a very, uh, a, a, an area in Lagos, Nigeria, that is very notorious for breeding criminals, very notorious for, for hustling and, and drug dealing. And uh, so for him to come out of there, it's only appropriate that he goes back there and, and really open an orphanage. You know, uh, Nigeria struggles with a lot of, people in Lagos especially living under the bridge in, in the streets and, 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 and it's just great to see that and, and for me one of the ironic things that he did was to open an orphanage and uh, it just uh, collaborates with his fate you know uh, because he's a follower of Jesus and, and the Bible says that you know helping the poor helping the orphans and helping the widows is pure religion that is what pure religion is in the in the New Testament. And he definitely has shown that, look, he's not just a hearer uh, of God's word, but he's also a doer of God's word. 
and uh, for him to go back and look at people who are very vulnerable, you know, orphans who don't have uh, a place to lay their head, uh, they've been abandoned and they don't have a future, obviously, but here he has created you know, a home for them. Uh, you know, if you uh, recently, I was watching some of the videos and some of the pictures that that came out from the from the official opening of this orphanage in Ajegunle, and it's really quite inspiring. And to also see communities and and other people coming out there to celebrate is is just a great way for a footballer like Audion to give back. It shows that he hasn't forgotten where he comes from. And also that, look, when you are successful, when you, whatever you have, whether you have so much or so little, you can always share what you have with somebody who don't really have nothing. And for me, that is just a great way to give back. And I hope that we're going to see a lot of more African footballers, you know, doing the same thing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Let's hope so. Thanks very much, Solomon. This is Planet Sport Football Africa. Brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. And our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, there were some very exciting games in the UEFA Champions League this week. A round of 16 first leg matches. And the African star has to be Sadio Mane getting a hat-trick for Liverpool in their 5-0 win away to FC Porto. Also on target there was Mohamed Salah of Egypt and Roberto Firmino also getting a goal there for Liverpool, who seemed to have one of the most exciting and electrifying front threes in world football right now. Incredible pace on the counter-attack Liverpool have. Real Madrid did very well to come back from a goal down to beat Paris Saint-Germain 3-1. Two goals for Cristiano Ronaldo, one of those uh, late one with seven minutes to go, and then Marcelo getting the third. And then the other games that we had this past week, Manchester City emphatic 4-0 winners away to Basel of Switzerland. And what an exciting 2-2 draw between Juventus and Tottenham. Early goals from Gonzalo Higuain giving Juventus a 2-0 lead, but Tottenham come Coming back with goals from Harry Kane and Christian Eriksen with a free kick. UEFA Champions League continues this coming week. Well, there's some great games too in the English Premier League last weekend. Manchester City are 16 points clear now of Manchester United, who lost 1-0 to Newcastle. Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Uh, Stuart, it's getting a bit frustrating for Manchester United fans now, isn't it? Yes, that's two defeats in three games, and particularly as Newcastle had not won any of their previous eight home games. But it's just a reminder, Steve, that in the Premier League, any team can beat any other team on their day. Incidentally, the Newcastle goal was scored by Matt Ritchie with his 44th shotted goal this season and his first score. Newcastle's Senegalese midfield player Mohamed Diami had an excellent game, bossing the midfield to such an extent that Manchester United substituted both Paul Pogba and Nemanja Matic before the end of the game. Now, the Manchester United defeat, alongside Tottenham's win over Arsenal and Chelsea's win over West Brom, certainly increases the pressure on Man U. But what about the bottom of the table? Last Saturday morning, we saw Swansea, Stoke, Huddersfield and West Brom as the bottom four. 
But by the time Newcastle were playing on Sunday afternoon, Swansea and Huddersfield had won and Stoke had drawn, so that Newcastle had slipped into the bottom three. And when Newcastle won, poor old Southampton, 15th on Saturday morning, were now in the bottom three. Uh, Talking of Huddersfield, in their 4-1 win over Bournemouth, they were awarded a penalty at 3-1, and the Benin striker Steve Muni saw a chance to complete his hat-trick, having already had the ball in the net twice. But he was overruled, and Van Lepara took and scored the penalty. And to add insult to injury for poor old Steve Muni, he discovered after the game he'd only scored once, as his second goal was deemed to be a known goal. But at least he did help Huddersfield get their first points in 2018. Mo Salah, who else, scored his 22nd league goal for Liverpool as they beat Southampton. Omar Niassi from Senegal scored for Everton, that's his seventh of the season, against Crystal Palace. And Victor Moses picked up one for Chelsea against West Brom. Now, having scored in his first game for Arsenal, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang had a tougher afternoon against Tottenham, who dominated possession. Aubameyang was really quite anonymous, and in fact Arsenal's two best chances fell to Alexandre Lacazette, a late substitute. Well, tough outing that for Arsenal, and Lacazette is going to be out for six weeks now, having had knee surgery. And uh, Stuart, you've been keeping track of clubs firing their managers during the course of the season in England. You'd have to say that the strategy has worked for Swansea and maybe for some other clubs too. Yes, Carlos Carvajal has helped Swansea to take 14 of a possible 21 points since he arrived, moving them out of the bottom three. But, you know, the top seven clubs in the Premier League at the moment have the same manager they started the season. But of the other 13, eight have replaced the manager. Some with success, some without. West Brom replaced long-serving Tony Pulis with Alan Pardew, and they're currently bottom of the table, seven points from safety. Stoke fired Mark Hughes and appointed Paul Lambert, and they're currently second from bottom. Now, Sam Allardyce, who replaced Ronald Koeman at Everton, has taken Everton into the top half of the table, and similarly David Moyes, replacing Slavin Bilic at West Ham, has stabilised them. Whether Roy Hodgson is doing enough to keep Crystal Palace in the Premier League remains to be seen. They currently sit one point outside the drop zone. Now, Leicester City, uh, who replaced Craig Shakespeare in October with Claude Poel, have seen them rise to eighth in the Premier League. So that seemed to be a good move. Now, Francisco Garcia, who replaced Marco Silva at Watford, saw them beat Chelsea 4-1, but then lose tamely 2-0 at West Ham. I think the jury is still out on how well he's doing. Interesting one, and we're asking for your thoughts on this on social media this week, whether it's a good strategy to fire your coach when you need instant results. Give you our contact details later on. Uh, But Stuart, it was a notable weekend for the IU brothers, Jordan and Andre of Ghana. Yes, the IUs were already one of five sets of brothers to play in the Premier League. And on Saturday, when Andre came on as a substitute to join brother Jordan, they became the fourth set of brothers to be teammates. Following in the footsteps of Gary and Phil Neville at Manchester United, Yaya and Kolo Torre at Manchester City, and Christian and Jonathan Benteke at Crystal Palace. 
Rio and Anton Ferdinand both played for West Ham, but not at the same time. Because the Ayus had previously played together at Marseille, and Andre is, of course, in his second spell at Swansea, having scored 12 goals in 34 games for them previously before spending a season and a half at West Ham. So we'll see how the brothers get on there at Swansea. And, Stuart, you've got some great facts for us there. Well, Steve, in case you missed it, when Swansea's Korean player Ki Sung-yung scored, he became the first person to score in the Premier League while his country was hosting the Winter Olympics since Jan Agafjortov of Norway did it in 1994. In the past five games, Everton, Watford, Southampton and West Brom have all used their full complement of 15 subs. In the same period, Crystal Palace's Roy Hodgson has only used three subs. wonder what Roy has got against subs. Finally, Steve, I found myself watching Juventus playing Fiorentina on television and the ref awarded a penalty. Three minutes later, the video assistant referee reversed the decision and gave a free kick to the defence. And then in the England-Wales rugby game, what seemed to be an absolutely clear score was overruled by the television match official. I just thought it was encouraging to see that it's not just the English Premier League that's having a bit of trouble with the technology. Right, so nothing unusual that the video technology does take a long time sometimes. More from Stuart later on. He's going to take us through how the TV rights deals have increased hugely over the years in the English Premier League. But next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we turn to social media. And uh, with the 2018 CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup kicking off last weekend, we asked, what are your expectations for your country this year? Do you think that you'll have a team reaching the group stage or even going further and challenging for the trophy? Lots of views from all over Africa on this one. Uh, firstly, on Facebook, Bonheur Bakatubia in DR Congo says, On behalf of the DR Congo, I'm hoping for a final triumph for our TP Mazembe. Well, that's uh, very possible. You'd have to say, Bonheur, uh, TP Mazembe not playing in the preliminary round. They have a bye to the first round proper of the Champions League, and they'd always be among the favourites. Levi Atom Tombozi in Malawi says, I'm supporting the B Forward Wanderers from Blantyre. Could, though, be a tough campaign for the Wanderers. We'll come on to that in a moment. Mahari Jaju Cham in the Gambia is optimistic about his team's chances. We have positive expectations as always, says Mahari. I'm hoping that the two representatives of my country, the Gambia, the Hawks and the Gambia Armed Forces, will do us and themselves well this time because we've never got into the group stage of either competition. Karamba Darbo is also in the Gambia. He says, my hopes for this year's Champions League is to see good football and a peaceful tournament. But for the teams representing my country, I don't think they can make it to the group stage. But if they do qualify, I still don't think that they can challenge for the trophy. Well, just picking up on that, armed forces have it all to do in their Champions League tie against Zanaco of Zambia after losing the first leg 3-0. But much better news for the Banjul Hawks in the Confederation Cup as they caused quite a shock in Nigeria, picking up a 2-1 win away at Aqua FC to give themselves every chance of going through to the first round proper. And we had a voice note on WhatsApp from Lee Sise in the Gambia who's very excited about this. 
Yeah, indeed, Hawks, they definitely did very well. It was it was definitely a great game for them. I was not expecting it to go this way, but all said and done, Hawks proved many people out there are wrong, especially the Nigerians, because when Hawks jetted down there, they were just been, been belittled by them, saying that they're going to, you know, hammer them. But against all odds, they, they want us against them by coming up with a 2-1 away win, and which is very, very crucial. Thanks there to Lee Cisse. Also from the Gambia, here's Ebrima Kale. My hopes is that the two teams from my country, Hawks and Gaff, the Gambia Armed Forces, will surely make it. That's my hopes. And I pray for them to win the trophy this year. No, it's not easy, but for that being the case, I'm back of them, you know. I'm supporting them anyway, you know. So, although the other clubs from other African countries, places like Zambia, you know, Nigeria, they are also good, you know, like Andrabat in Morocco and other teams, you know. But my support and hopes goes to Hawks and Gambia Armed Forces for them to win the trophy this year. That's Ebrima Kale. On WhatsApp, Samson Makawa in Malawi says, looking at their preparations, I don't see either of our two teams from Malawi progressing, as it's the first time we've played in these tournaments in many years. Both of our teams were massacred in their first leg games, says Samson. B Forward Wanderers lost 4-0 to AS Vita of the DRC, and Masters Security went down 5-0 to Petro de Luanda of Angola. The problem I see, continues Sampson, is that Malawian clubs lack the financial support to perform well. Even the recruitment of new players is only locally based. Yes, it does seem an impossible uphill task for the Malawian teams this year. And just to say that the Champions League's really tough. Our champions here in Zimbabwe, FC Platinum, went to Angola and lost 3-0 to Primero Augusto, despite having had pretty good preparations. Well, over the border from Malawi now, here's Mwinga Maimbolwa in Zambia. And Mwinga says, I expect the Champions League and Confederation Cup will again live up to expectations. For me, Al Ahly are the favourites, even before a ball has been kicked. And as for the Confederation Cup, a club African of Tunisia and USM Alger of Algeria, I think will be the teams to go all the way. In Zambia, we have Zesco United and Zanaco in the Champions League. I think that Zanaco will go furthest because they've made some really serious additions to their squad. And in the Confederation Cup, we have Nkana. They will do Zambia proud, says Mwinga, but they might not go that far in the competition for a number of reasons. We heard from Uganda and Godfrey Allen Kitengeja says in the Champions League, our team KCCA is not as good as it was last season. They're even struggling in the local league, so I doubt if they'll manage to qualify into the group stage, says Godfrey. Uh, But uh, KCCA are still very much in touch after just losing their first leg 2-1 away to Snaps Spore in Madagascar. So actually a 1-0 win in the return leg would see them through to the next round. So uh, still some hope for them there. Uh, Sanat Jaune is in the Gambia saying once again I think the Champions League trophy is going back to North Africa teams from the Gambia will not make it to the group stage says Sana. they'll try but they have no chance Duruchidi Reginald also in the Gambia makes a point about the difference that having good resources makes to a club's title aspirations In Nigeria, the Nigeria League's management company signed a new sponsorship deal with Coca-Cola and other big companies, so that's a big boost for clubs going into the two tournaments, says Duruchidi. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, finally, Moses in the Gambia got in touch about our free Planet Sport Football Africa app. I've downloaded the app and I feel so happy, says Moses. Before, I used to miss the show sometimes as I was at work, but now I can listen to it any time I want. I'm a huge fan of the show, says Moses, and I'm inviting all my friends abroad to tune in too. Well, thanks very much for that, Moses. Great to hear that you're enjoying having the app. And uh, if you have family or friends in the diaspora anywhere around the world, you can let them know about the Planet Sport Football Africa app. Uh, to download, you go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've got it, you can listen to the show anytime on demand. This week we're asking, do you think that firing the coach is the best solution? Well, earlier we heard from Stuart uh, talking about the effectiveness of the strategy of English Premier League clubs firing their coaches, needing instant results. Uh, eight managers have been fired already this season. Carlos Carvalhal's taken Swansea out of the relegation zone with an incredible 14 points in seven games. Uh, some clubs, though, haven't done as well. West Brom are bottom, having changed their coach fairly early on. Uh, so do you think that firing the coach is the best thing to do? If you need a change in fortunes, you can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Do you think that firing the coach is the best solution to bring you results? Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.